Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Post Football. Everybody, it's officially our first episode of the 23-24 season. Less than a week to go before the UPL and the Persia return, and then Druha the week after. Pre-season is coming to a close too. Some scoring for fun, others finding their feet with new squads and managers. Today's episode is dedicated to previewing the upcoming campaign, familiarising you with everything you need to know before the big restart. Our guest this week is back after a long hiatus too. Ukrainian commentator Vadim Skitchko is here to help us run the rule over everything. Welcome to Ukraine Plus Football. Yep, I think a lot of our listeners and people on Twitter and elsewhere have been longing for the return of the UPL for the brief amount of time that it's actually not been on in between, you know, the under 21 Euros national team and everything else in between. Um, but it kicks off on Friday, uh, the first game of the season, Obolon versus Kolos. Ray's going to talk to us a bit about that slightly later. The current rules in place, not much has actually changed, sadly from uh, 22, 23 in terms of fans. So it will be kicking off without fans per se. Uh, we'll see how many clubs try to, uh, I don't know, siphon some in <laughs> or, or the similar as we've seen at, at some clubs. Um, 16 teams will be starting the season as they did last year and it's going to be typical home and away fixtures. So no league splits or anything like that. So I think uh, without further ado, worth getting into some of the teams that should be catching our eye and uh, where better to start than last season's champions. Adam? Yeah, certainly right. I mean, this year we're, we've all selected teams that have perhaps got caught our eye, got a little, given us a little sparkle, something that we're intrigued about. And yes, Shakhtar it, it, it's, it's a club that I've enjoyed watching and this year is going to be an interesting year for them, you know. We saw at the start of the full-scale invasion that the foreigners from Shakhtar, as with a lot of them, moved to clubs outside of Ukraine. And over the summer, we've seen uh, Solomon uh, move to Spurs officially. Uh, Tete confirmed that he's not going to come and play for Shakhtar again, even though he was in Ukraine. Uh, so it seems the old generation won't be coming back. And over the last 12 months, Shakhtar have impressed with the way they've brought through the younger Ukrainians. Uh, we've seen Mudrik as the biggest example who exploded in the first half of the season and earned his move. But I'm going to be interested this year to see how they marry up developing young Ukrainian players and bringing in these foreign players who they've signed this summer. And also with Kelsey from the winter window as well. Uh, we've got, as it 
Castillo, Pedrinho, Newerton, I think I've pronounced his name right, is coming potentially like as a replacement for Mudrick from what I can see in early footage, but that's still yet to be known. I'm still going to wave the flag for the Ukrainian players, and I think two really key people, if they stay at the club and don't go out on loan again, will be Kashuk and Finuk, who've impressed during pre-season. Kashuk had a good uh, international tournament this year. And if they're back, they could be two that could step up this this season and maybe take themselves to the next level. I'm going to be really interested to watch. Of course, Shakhtar have automatically qualified for the group stage. And I think that's going to be one of the key narratives from this first half of the season, where they have to balance the demands of Champions League football against the demands of the league. And to start the season, they're facing Metalist, Veres away, Alexandria at home, really run-of-the-mill games. But there are two, shall we say, 10-day spans that I want to really pick out as what could make or break their first half of the season for them. On the 30th of September, they face Borsula. On the 7th of October, they face Zoria. And that is uh, either side of match day two of the Champions League. So three key games there back to back. And then later on, either side of match day four, is the first Klasichti of the year on the 4th of November. Followed up on the 11th of November by the game against the Nipro minus one. And those two weeks are going to be great weeks of football for us as Ukrainian football observers uh, to see how the top of the league is going to shape up as we go into the winter break. But yeah, I mean, Andrew, how do the others, how Dinamo shaping up at the moment? Well, they've made a lot less uh, transfers than Shakhtar have this summer per se, just Yarmolenko coming in and a number of loanees returning from um, distant lands. The likes of uh, Lednev, they all seem to be possibly uh, part of Luchescu's plans. I feel that he doesn't really have a choice in the matter due to the fact that he can't really bring too many people in. There's been rumours that they might be bringing in a Brazilian. As far as I'm aware, I think Shakhtar might be finalising another Brazilian uh, by the time the UPL kicks off any uh, uh, Galdo or something like that, he should be joining at some point this week as well. So for the time being, I feel that Dinamo are not too bad ultimately. But the main story from them, obviously, Yarmolenko, that's the one that I think anyone's, everyone's going to be watching and keeping an eye on. However, as there, there's no doubt that they're going to be in the title race, I think, you know, watching from what we saw at the um, preseason, they beat Al-Hilal, the millions in in Saudi, etc. But they're going to have plenty of healthy competition coming up from newly promoted side, Polisia, of course. And uh, Polisia is the one that's really took my eye um, in this, I guess, preseason campaign. We know that they've got heavy heavy funding from Utkevich. Um, Their main, I guess, highlight of the window so far has been 
Alexander Rusik signing a one-year contract with the team um, when he's actually going to join up with the side and feature. I think we're going to have to wait and see because he's got a fight coming up at the end of August. So I feel that he probably won't be training with the squad until that's all done and dusted. But Polisa end up facing Dinamo on the 7th of October. And I feel that that might be a game where if Usyk is going to make his debut or feature at all, that's the one that he's going to come in because that's essentially Usyk's club against the team that he supported as youngster. But moving to the more serious side of things, police have got a brand new training complex. It looks pucker. I think it's been modelled on, you know, the likes of Inter Miami and other training bases around the world. Looks very nice. Go check out their Instagram if you want to see some photos of, of about that. Um, but I feel that they've made a number of healthy signings and a number of pedigree that will help them in, obviously, the UPL. So you've got Dennis Boyko coming in. They also signed uh, Chujoki, uh, the Nigerian goalkeeper who's rather young and promising. Uh, Chobotenko's come in. He's been playing for years in the in the UPL, uh, you know, last at Kolos. Um, Artem Shabanov, <laughs> you know, some of these throwbacks that you're like, oh my God. Artem Smolyakov, who impressed at Inhulets last year, he's just joined this week. Um, and, you, and you've got plenty of others. Uh, Mustafaev, who we like the look of uh, at the very start of the second half of the campaign from Alexandria, he's arrived. And I feel that probably the main one that everyone's sort of been liking the look of in particular is Benny Makuana. Obviously come from Montpellier. Didn't score too many goals there, but he did score a brace against Colos in their final pre-season friendly. So, you know, you never know. If you can't make it in the in Liga, you might be able to make it in the UPL. <laughs> and we'll see how that ends up going. So, Vadim, great to have you back. It's been a long time. I really enjoyed your thread on the new manager of Zaria. Uh, that you put out on Twitter a few weeks ago. For for our listeners that perhaps haven't caught up on it, can you just briefly sort of summarise his background and what what do you think he's going to bring to the UPL this year? Uh, well, first of all, uh, hello and uh, thanks for having me on the pod. And uh, speaking about Nenad Lalatovic, uh, he's more like a showman uh, outside of the pitch, but... On the other hand, he's a really successful coach in terms of uh, Serbian football because uh, he was uh, second uh, with Vojvodina. And if you finish uh, above third place with any team in Serbia that is not called Partizan or Cervena Zvezda, it's, it's a great achievement, really. And he won the um, Cup of Serbia. And he was uh, really successful with those teams that uh, don't have um, um, a very huge budget, as, for example, Zoria is. But we don't know how successful he can be outside of his uh, normal circumstances where he lives in Serbia because he went outside twice in Saudi Arabia and uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina and he wasn't very successful in those countries. And uh, Zoria, uh, in my perspective, uh, they are a bit risky to invite such a coach. So it's not... um, Guaranteed, of course, Van Leeuwen was not also guaranteed, but he worked in Israel, he worked in uh, Ukraine several years ago, like not on the highest level, but in academies. So he was more or less, he he knew more or less all the stuff that is going on in there. 
but speaking about Lalatovich, he's more um, unpredictable one. So he can be like this dark horse. Yeah, he can surprise us on uh, some point. And of course, I'm pretty sure that show outside of the pitch and his uh, expressions and so on, they will be absolutely amazing. But if we speak about football, I think we will face a bit of uh, downgrading by Zoria. They won't be such successful, such powerful as they were with uh, Patrick van Leuven. But on the other hand, I don't think they will they will crush or they will fall down to, I don't know, seven, eight, some, somewhere in the middle of the table. I think they will be strong contenders for European places. But this first year will be hard for them after one Leuven and, and with the new coach that is not very familiar to Ukrainian uh, reality. Yeah, just want to add there, actually, uh, Zoria's transfers this summer. They've seen Oleg Dantrenko, who had quite a bad heart issue uh, last year um, during the winter break. He's back. So... I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. Maybe it's just sort of going to be a similar scenario with what we saw with Christian Eriksen. They can end up returning and being relatively uh, helpful to the team, but in what capacity, who knows? Um, obviously, I feel that the main transfer for them that was very key, especially in attack, is uh, Eduardo Guerrero. They ended up finalising that permanently. And I think that's going to be a big boost for Lalatovic, um there to, you know, to get the goals in, uh, seeing you know, the likes of uh, Buletza, who has left, of course. Um, and, of course, I feel that the one that everyone's going to be looking out for is uh, uh, Ali Ferenko, who had a really good season last year at Tronda Moritz, back at Zoria, had rumours that he might join somewhere like Dinamo or something. Um, that's not happened yet. <laughs> so for the start of the season, I think that they've got an all right chance Um going ahead and I mean when you look at their fixtures for the very opening they're actually not that straightforward either so like Vadim says um, they might not be challenging for the title as they did last season but you still hope for them to be amongst it um, let's see yeah Andrew Europe starts this week for the Ukrainian teams as well Is, who have they got how are they shaping up what do you think is going to happen it's safe to say not the best of starts <laughs> um, for Dnipro 1 in particular, at the time of recording, they ended up losing uh, 3-1 to Panathinaikos in the first leg of their debut Champions League uh, appearance. Looked pretty toothless, to be honest. The same kind of stuff that we saw from them in the second half of the last campaign, per se, where they looked rather tired. Obviously, it's the first competitive match of the season for them. Weren't up to speed, certainly. Uh, Pichelionok injured, didn't help. Dovbik slightly isolated. You wonder how long he's going to stay there uh, going on this result. And if they don't get past Panathinaikos, which is looking unlikely going into next week's second leg, then they'll drop into the Europa League where they'll be playing Slavia Praga um, in the third qualifying round. And if they don't make it past them, they'll drop into the, champ uh, the Conference League playoffs. So let's see how that goes. But there's a new vector going on in Dnipro 1. I mentioned it in the last episode, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that they're no longer seriously focusing on sort of the foreign market. They've bolstered their defence up with a load of Ukrainian talents, you know, including uh, Volinets, uh, Kravets, um, and, and plenty of others. 
there's currently a bit of an issue with uh, Alexander Nazarenko, who obviously played rather well at the under-21 Euros, but he's apparently been banished to the under-19s or something and won't be playing. Or maybe there might be some sort of resolution, but the fact that he signed a pre-contract agreement with Polizia and he's going to join them when his contract ends uh, in the winter means that he might not be featuring for them at all, which, I mean, is a bit of a blow. Uh, but like I saw some comments say, he's not really been a starter or that amazing for them, you know, in particular last season. But, you know, they've brought in a couple. Um, well, they've brought in one Brazilian last week, Vitinho, nice uh, sort of a young 18-year-old um, midfielder. And they're planning on bringing in another potential um, Brazilian, I think, uh, who is going to be a potential replacement for Dovbik, who, if anyone's been following Twitter over the past sort of week, you've seen that Girona fans have started a free Dovbik movement. It's rather low-key and small, and there's lots of questions about whether Dovbik will end up moving because he signed his new contract, you know, last month. And that's obviously still means that Midgieland's are meant to be getting 50% or something of, of the sale, or own 50% of him, so they have to get a big chunk. Whether that's true or not, who knows? But I feel for the time being, especially with them in Europe, that they're not actually playing in the UPL in match day one. That's already postponed. And they're actually facing Vorskla. They were meant to face Vorskla in that first uh, match. They're also in action uh, in the uh, UEFA Conference League this week. And I think the Dim can tell us a bit about their opponents, um, who are Dilla from uh, Georgia. Yeah, uh, let's be honest that uh, in general, um, in Ukraine, we don't rate much uh, Georgian football, Georgian league especially, because yeah, everyone knows uh, Dinamo Tbilisi from the old time, from maybe Soviet Union or the first years of independence, because it was really a powerful side, yeah, a powerhouse of uh, even Soviet era. But Dilagori is uh, just absolutely unexpectable side shall we say but we have uh, a good familiar faces in there uh, for example Andrei Demchenko and a um, couple of uh, players uh, goalie and uh, center forward Mikola Kovtaluk who was uh, very successful I guess in Kazakhstan league and then uh, joined uh, Georgian league so yeah it's not very high rated uh, championships but anyway uh, we are speaking about first game of the season for every team in Ukraine. It's it's very hard. It's unbelievably unexpected. And if we speak about Dila Goris, they, um, they overcame a very hard opponent because uh, Dunajska Strada from uh, Slovakia, yeah, they are really powerful team. And they won the first game against Georgians. And then uh, they made a comeback in a home game. And if you haven't seen this game, I was lucky to see some part of it. And if you haven't seen it, I just recommend you to watch the uh, assist the first uh, for the first goal. The goal pass was amazing, absolutely unbelievable. From from my perspective, it's maybe the, the best uh, pass I've seen like in several months for the goal. I just highly recommend you to see it. Maybe Slovakian uh, players were too slow and, uh, I don't know, not they didn't react very well, but but the pass itself is like, I don't know, like Maradona style, something like that. So, yeah, this team, 
I think it's dangerous. It's pretty dangerous, Dilagori. And they have a player uh, from uh, Barbados uh, who scored this goal from this amazing uh, goal opportunity from this past Gale. And, well, I think that uh, Warsaw will have uh, very hard times facing Georgians. But let's believe they can they can go through. Because Demchenko, when he was in Ukraine, again, he wasn't very impressive. I've read in, in Twitter from, I think, like Georgian football uh, accounts, something like that, that they are just praying about him. Like, he's the best thing that happened to Dilagori in years. Like, you know, like Stone Roses, uh, they were uh, singing, like, sent to me from heaven. Yeah, about Sally Cinnamon. So it's like Andrei Demchenko was sent from heaven to Dilagori. And let's see what, what will happen. I think that it will be like a draw and a very, very low margin win for, for Warskla. But very, very hard games uh, upcoming for Poltava's side, in my opinion. And it's going to be even tougher because... Their top scorer from last season, Taulan Seferi, has moved on loan to Baniya or Banias in uh, UAE. So um, that's literally just come this week. Uh, I think they've got a Brazilian from the Chinese League or something like that that's currently on trial with them. He's not officially been unveiled. He might be by the time you're listening to this podcast. Maybe not in time for their fixture, their home fixture in Tichy in uh Poland on Thursday we will see how that ends up happening but like I said going to be a tough start and we already heard last year how there might be some sort of budget cuts at Vorskla I don't think it's going to be a straightforward season but for the time being Viktor Skripnik is still there I feel that maybe that might hinge on you know their start to the season how that goes and whether they make it into the European group stages because like Vadim said it's not going to be easy against the Georgians and then they've still got two more rounds to do after that. So let's see how that goes for them. Now, for the story we've all been waiting for this season, um, the return of Obelon. It's It's been long, long anticipated. Ray, I'm as excited. Well, I don't think I'm as excited as you are, but I'm very excited. How's the preparation been going? And I mean, what are we looking for this season on the return of the real Kiev team? Hi Adam. Yeah, good question. Actually, it's uh, it's a huge huge time for the club and the return to UPL. Where actually, if you look at the standings, uh, the uh, table of the teams, uh, half of them uh, have recently appeared, uh, and Oberlin played with them throughout uh, the last ten years in Persia Liga. Oberlin played all of these teams, so we could divide the league into classic teams which would be Shakhtar, Dynamo, uh, Zoria, Alexandria, Moritz, Force Club, right? And the other half would be Metalist 1925, the team which represent Dnipro City, Krivbas, Ruch, LNZ, Kolos, Veres, Minai, uh, Polissa, and LNZ. You get the point. Opoli has experience with playing with those teams, which leads me to thinking that they will need exactly these matches to gain any points whatsoever, because the predictions are quite grim. No real transfer activity, no real strength out there, uh, no real replacement for the legends. I mean, three players left the club for Victoria from Mikhailovka to play in Persia Liga. That tells you something, right? But still, we rely on our guys, on our youngsters who are crushing everybody on U19 level. 
because these uh, these days every team of Premier League has to have a U19 team, under 19, and Obol and crushed Zoria uh, with the score of 5 0. <laughs> uh, they played decently against Lokomotiv, against Dinamo U19. They lost, but hey, it's still a derby, right? Um, so there's plenty to watch uh, within the team, but coming back to the calendar, which I wanted to focus on today, um, this summer will be a hot season for Obolon because uh, we're playing Dynamo on 5th of August, then uh, Shakhtar on 16th of uh, September, and uh, the team which represent Nipro City uh, on 19th of, of August. And it's an interesting uh, detail I noticed that the um, renewal of the season, the second part of the season, starts on February 24th, 2024, which is a symbolic date. I don't think that Bologna will uh, climb higher uh, in the table, um, but uh, the goal for the season is to stay in the middle. So we are looking at uh, Colos' um, version of uh, UPL fairy tale. We should best look with it as well, right? Certainly do. Now, uh... Andrew, it's coming up to two years ago since we went to that fantastic cup game in a thunderstorm in Chikazi where Ellen said beat pre-Carpatia, I believe it was, 1-0. Uh, it seems a lifetime ago now. So a great day, and I believe we had some very tasty Georgian food afterwards. Yeah, uh, it was pouring down the rain. Um, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Hiding, hiding under some tarpaulin to try and keep dry during the match. Well, here we are, two seasons later, and they are the last of the newly promoted teams into the UPL. I know, Vadim, you've took a lot of interest in them as well over the last couple of years, I would imagine, Michael. So, I mean, how, how are they looking and how's their summer been? Well, first of all, I would like to say that finally, finally, we have a team with purple T-shirts. Finally, we have our own Fiorentina in UPL because I cannot remember that some team, maybe only goalkeepers, they played in purple colors. But uh, normally, like a full version, full team in purple, that never happened, unfortunately, till now. So that's... That's the first thing that is uh, interesting about uh, LNZ. And also, sorry I'm enjoying... You, sorry to interrupt you, Vadim. The kit, which they have this season, actually reminds me of Fiorentina uh, even more because they have VBAT uh, in pink, which reminds me of Nintendo as a sponsor from the 90s. Yeah, so that's uh, that's great thing that we have uh, to speak uh, outside of the pitch. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing that they have uh, some original colors, not like blue and white or i don't know red and white just just like every other team plays but they have something unique uh, and uh, yeah i really enjoy uh, how do they uh, trying to put the things together with uh, all the transfers uh, very powerful players like uh, Rebalka or Banada or Kovalov or Pradun, who has great experience in uh, UPL. And um, I think that Alan Zam can really make a lot of upsets and surprise us in a, in a positive way. And, uh, well, I don't think they will reach up high in the first season, but I'm pretty sure they won't uh, be between those who will fight for relegation for their lives. And uh, 
we are talking about the new players who just uh, came to the team, but I was also impressed and uh, I have... Uh, very high marks for their goalkeeper, for Samoylenko, and for one of their uh, forwards who is from Cherkasy originally, I mean, uh, Ivan Tyshchenko. So they have players who played in the first league and were successful and promoted. And they have new players who are extremely, extremely uh, good in the market, like Rybalka, I think it's like superstar in their team, who can play, I guess, for every team in Ukraine, um, including Dinamo and Shakhtar. And uh, the story of, of a young uh, coach, uh, Alexander Kovpak, who used to be a great goal scorer. And now, the, one more thing about Elenza. Uh, they have a tremendous social media team, uh, which works just great. I really enjoy watching, watching how do they... Uh, trying to show everything that is uh, going um, inside or what, what what we can see during the football game, like uh, some you know, pre-match routines or some uh, videos they, that they were watching from their fans who encouraged them during the last first league uh, season. That That's tremendous. I, I really hats off for their social media team and uh, Kof Park seems to me uh, he can be a great coach in future that's that's nice start for him in the team that uh, he made a promotion and now he earned this chance to be a coach of a UPL side and very very tough UPL side I think if, if we see just just their players and as they played in the first league I think they will be comfortable mid-table team in this season I'm going to be interested in seeing how they go as well. We've had a lot of talk there about a number of interesting teams, interesting narratives going into the season. There are a number of other teams that are taking part in this league, aren't there, Andrew? Yes, there is. And I'm just going to go for a bit of a, a quick blitz through the other ones. that maybe seconds of madness. <laughs> eh? <laughs> um, yeah, so technically... Um, there are a number of other teams in and around that might be challenging for the top spot, might be up for relegation. Uh, I think the ones, the obvious ones, the ones that just missed out in Europe last season, Alexandria have ended up getting rid of quite a lot of key players in their team. Like a lot of veterans, you could even say, like the aforementioned the Rybalka, he's left, Surikov's left, Mustafayev's left, Miroshnichenko's left, Tretyakov's left. Um, and at the end of the day, they don't look to be that, I don't know, that full of a squad compared to maybe last season or uh, before that. So it'll be interesting to see how Rusran Rotan, after such a successful under-21 Euros, can transfer that into the club side. Now he's got a full pre-season. He actually ended up beating LNZ 5-1 um, this weekend before in this final pre-season match. So whether that means anything, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I'm going to be sort of, I think it'll be interesting to see how they get along because they've not really brought in too many players and the outgoings uh, look pretty cardinal. Krivirich, uh, Krivbas, of course, they have also got rid of quite a lot of players there. Um, Ruf, uh, Rifek Kapic, he had a very interesting story this week. Two weeks ago, he moved to Valmiera in Latvia 
played three games to them, including their two matches in the Champions League qualifying round, first round. They lost that, and he's since ended up being loaned to Lechia Gdansk uh, because apparently the Valmiera owner has bought Lechia as well, according to some rumours. So that's pretty crazy, but apparently they got a good fee for him, 500k. <laughs> so fair play. And they've recently um, re-signed or officially re-signed uh, Dabanga, um, who was a key key player for them last year. Um, so that's very good. Sadly, though, their um, centre forward, Daniel Sosa, I think he's got picked up quite a serious injury um, in pre-season or on national team duty. And he might be out for at least the first few match days at a minimum, which is not too good for them. Um, they brought in a new uh, Croat, uh, Illich, who I think might be interesting uh, to have a look at, and Kozhushko. So not too much going on. And I mean, that's the same for a lot of the other sides that we've seen. There's lots of outgoings, as there always is in the UPL, and there's lots of incomings, which the fact that the window doesn't actually close until obviously the end of August means that we'll probably be seeing a lot of switching around before then as well. A few others I'll just mention before we wrap up. Menai have brought in um, about 10 new players. Gunichev in particular, I think he's quite interesting from Kramatorsk. Very exciting young talent. Um, he used to play for Kramatorsk, but he, then he moved to Alexandria. And now he's on loan at Menai for the campaign. So that'll be interesting to see. Trondon Moritz, they have ended up getting rid of a lot of their squad. Almost like loads of veterans. Past is gone, Selin's gone. Um, Plaxa Vladki is off. He's apparently might be moving to Karpate, which we'll be touching on in a bit. Uh, Zadoya Alferenko, who was obviously key for them, disappeared. Avagimyan's gone back to Alexandria, so they've had to bring in a few different players. Uh, goalkeeper in particular, going to be interesting to see. Oleg, Oleg C. Shevchenko from Shakhtar, he's like not played a game in or a full 90 in years. He's gone there, he's apparently injured. Um, Oleg Bilic from Inholetz has moved there as well. They've signed a, I think, a Slovenian, John Spawn. I think the the other the other team that in particular caught my eyes, Kolos. I think they actually have strengthened, and that's something they needed to do probably last campaign. And then they ended up sort of drifting mid-table in the end. They weren't too terrible to to get in the mix, but ended up staying up. They've signed uh, Mikita Borda, obviously injury-prone, but a decent centre-back when fit. Valeri Bondarenko, who obviously used to be rather good at Alexandria over the years. Tsurikov um, has arrived. Um, Demchenkov from Tronomoritz, who was a key player there. And Valeri Luchkevich. A lot of these players I've just mentioned, heavy um, on the injury front, sadly, over the past few years. But I think that they've got the opportunity um, sort of to get their careers back on track in Kovalivka. Let's see how that goes. And um, finally, before we move on to our next uh, league, it's worth mentioning a couple of bits. Firstly, about Metalist 1925, who have been at the centre of transfer controversy relating to them purchasing uh, a centre-forward. Um, Sidorov from MFC Metalurgus Aparizia, who are in Perselika. And allegedly last week, 
Dnipro one had a 400k euro bid rejected for the player. Then it ended up that Metalist1925 signed the player, unveiled him, had an interview with him, posted him on all the social medias, etc. And then Tatozuke came out saying that allegedly they'd only paid 100k for um, the player that obviously had a 400k bid rejected. That's since been dismissed. And then <laughs> it was claimed that Sidorov returned to MFK Metalusaporizhia. But since then, he has gone back to Metalist and it's been officially confirmed by the club that he has left, that he has signed. And apparently, in inverted commas, it's a record transfer fee for the club and also for the league. But uh, we've seen uh, Archie Valerko, um, who is a well-known Ukrainian sports journalist, he's disputed that, of course, saying that the biggest record in Petrolia history for an outgoing transfer is Vladislav Supriaha when he left from Dipro 1 to Dynamo Kiev for 6.5 million euros. And Metalist 925, as much as we love them, they certainly did not pay that. So maybe it was closer to 400k. Who knows? It's currently undisclosed. And on another topic, we've got the TV deal, which is, it looks like has been resolved just a few days before the start of the 23-24 season. So what we've got is, we've got... Uh, Megogo, Setanta, Kiev Star TV, and some other um, online streaming platforms. They have got the rights for 13 clubs. Uh, no, actually, make that 12 clubs um, to broadcast their games. I think the majority of teams will be uh, sort of producing or paying for the production of each game at home, etc. And they're going to be shown on those platforms there for free whether they'll be available abroad or not is another question we'll have to wait and see how that pans out i think dinamo dnipro one and zoria will be on the plusir so football hub profitable digital two plus two etc and the ruch um they rejected magogo's proposal and have set up their own youtube channel called upl tb TV and they're going to be showing their home games on there for the time being. So um, you've got everyone's got somewhere to watch them. It's all going to be free for now. Let's see how it progresses. Persia has been full of fun for many years as well, it has to be said. It's great, though, coming into this season, Andrew, to see Carpati looking as strong as they do. Yeah, last season went to a few games of Carpati uh, Lviv. And, yeah, sadly, they underwhelmed at the end of it. And it meant for wholesale changes <laughs> this summer. And, I mean, I think it took a lot of us by surprise that Miron Markevich ended his uh, hiatus He's not been in a job since he left Dnipro officially. And here he is back after what, six years, seven years almost, uh, to try and get them back to the promised land, his hometown club, the club that he finished third with in the UPL almost, almost 30 years, well, 25 years ago. Um, and I mean, so far on the transfer front, that's a complete overhaul. They've made... A whole host of transfers, a lot of them coming from Metalist Harkiv. Obviously, the old connections between 
Markevich, uh, Krasnikov, who's officially not CEO or owner of Metalist Tarkiv and everything else that's coming there. Um, we've got the likes of Yehor Demchenko, who's been at uh, FC Metalist for a number of years, Yehor Kartushov, uh, Pid Lepenitz, who lots of people are tipping, were tipping to be the next big thing. He had that loan spell at Dnipro 1 last season. I wouldn't say he caught the world alight, really, but he's got a chance here to sort of build himself up and then maybe hit the ground running in the UPL next year. And I mean, beyond that, they've got a, a Brazilian called Ihor uh, Neves. That's brilliant, of course. Um, who else would you want, you know, in terms of Brazilian naming? Uh, they've signed a few other players from Persiliha, a few from Kremin, uh, Kirilo Matveev in particular. He looks quite quite a tidy player, midfielder. Um, and in general, I feel that I think that it's, it's going to be difficult to find a different favourite uh, to get promoted from uh, the Persiliha, or at least Persiliha A, <laughs> than Karpate. And I mean, the issue with them last season was that they ended up beating all the weaker sides um, relatively well and losing or drawing with all the top sides. Then when the split came in the second half of the season and all the points halve or they get removed against the teams that aren't you're not facing, which are the better teams, um, they were sort of stuck in the mud. Uh, so I think the priority this year is to beat those around them. Um, but yeah, favourites for sure. Definitely so. When I was prepping for this pod, I had a look at Group A, which obviously Carpat is in. And God, it looks like it's incredibly strong side of, of the split, shall we say. The western half of the Persia is looking, yeah, very competitive. I would I would go as far to say the top two or three will come from the, the western half after the, the split. You know, um, Last winter break, I was looking through the old PFL website before they've done this fantastic upgrade and stumbled across an article about who's, uh, the team from Zakar Patsyob last right down there, almost on the border. And it caught my eye because they were talking about the finances and the like and how the money was coming in from a businessman in Italy who was one of the main investors there and there seemed to be a stability about it you know with, with clubs like uh, the old Munkach from the previous year with their ties to Hungary and new clubs appearing you you are question marks well this club seemed to be above board and you know you read a bit deeper and you saw the ties they were building with Manai and the players, you know, they brought in a number of players in on loan from Manai. So I was very happy when they reached that playoff last season and ended up getting promoted on the through, through the playoffs and will take their place in Group A. It's going to be incredibly tough for them this year. If if they manage to finish in the top half split, it will be a be a miracle. But uh, I mean, I, I see them finishing in the bottom half. It'll be more a case when they get to the relegation group. Can they stay up in that first year, consolidate, and maybe look to build a little further down the line? They start off, Andrew, with Carpati away. So it's baptism of fire for them. You know, 
they are a tiny, tiny club going up there to one of the the giants of the Ukrainian game, you know, uh, in Lviv. So it's going to be a great, great day for them. Uh, then welcoming one of the first of the Kleminski teams down to Krust when Epicenter come. And after that, they will they will do the same journey that we do when they go to, from Zakopaski all the way over to Chenitsi to Bukovina. And that brings back happy memories, doesn't it, Ray? Uh, was it eight hours in the car? I, mean, I think probably one of the things that appeals to me about this team is the remoteness of it. I think their nearest away day is going to be about a five-hour drive, which now based in Luxembourg, a five-hour drive will take you sort of two countries over from here. You know, our, our furthest away day drive from Luxembourg City is 40 minutes. So a five-hour away day, it's, it's, it's something else. And all credit to them to sticking at it. You know, actually, this team's now, what, four years into existence. They've gone up a few levels in the, in the standings up to the second tier now in the Persia. Looks like a good project. And Perez was the last one that got me excited before they went all social media Uh And this is the new one that's got me excited. And I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. But yeah, Klimaninsky's back this year, isn't it? With a real sort of bang. His batting is so great to see so many teams back involved in the pressure. Yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, as everyone that uh, two teams uh, reappear and uh, trying to do their best again. Uh, Podilia and Agro Business, we really missed them the last season. And uh, on the other hand, I feel hurt i'm sad that volleying is not trying to their luck again and uh, the only one region from uh, the western part of the country that doesn't have a professional team and uh yeah that's that's very sad really and uh i don't have any answers why it is like this because uh they could revive their team and uh, make it at least a second league uh, level but well uh, at least we can talk uh, in a positive way about uh, Khmelnytsky region where we have now Podilia Agrobusiness and uh, Epicenter from the last season and uh, it's always exciting to see how teams are trying to develop how they are trying to start something new a lot of new faces and uh, if we are talking about Volin, their legend, their former captain, Serhi Simin, in joint Podilla, he will be one of these veterans we are talking about in every season from Persia, Druga Liga, and those uh, leagues there that are below the UPL. And uh, talking about agrobusiness, uh, their coach, in my books, one of the most uh, intelligent coaches in Ukraine. I mean, Alexander Chizhevsky, he's uh, again uh, trying to collect this uh, young team because agrobusiness all the time, uh, we knew them as a young team. They have, I think, like two or three players above 28 years of age. All the others are younger. And it's great to see that uh, they are sticking to, to their style and uh, wish them all the best. And uh, for me, uh, Popovich, the keeper that uh, joined Agrobusiness, I think that uh, he could play in a lot of teams in UPL 
from mid table to bottom side, but he chose first Liga and uh, Agro Business. So let's see what can they achieve. They tried and they wanted someday to compete for the highest places and to join UPL someday. Maybe not in the first season, but if they try to make it like step by step, year after year, I think that in several seasons we'll definitely see Agrobusiness up in the top tier. Definitely so. Uh, Ray, project team, part of a community almost on the, the left bank in Kiev there. there you know, we've all got a lot of respect for Olivier Beret. They're, they're back with their professional team this year. The young team, the, the youngsters carried on playing last year. Um, great to see them back. It seems like a whole new new sort of ship, shall we say, in uh, the professional standards. Uh, exactly. Some great projects with plenty of... Um, uh, gosh, what's this word in English? Uh, facilities. Sorry. A great project indeed, with plenty of facilities uh, near uh, Slavutich Metro Station in uh, Kiev, left bank. Um, they are uh, debuting in Persia Liga because, uh, amongst all the rumors, they were leading the Druhaliha table before uh, the full-scale war started. So uh, I think that leads them to starting this season in Persia Liga, which is absolutely deserved, uh, after I mentioned the facilities, and the fact that Metalist 1925 will probably play there. And maybe even Zorya uh, Luhansk uh, are going to play, uh, host their home games uh, their next season, which um, is actually um, interesting because it's probably the only uh, amusing team in uh, Persia Liga Group B because the other guys are were just there the previous year. Uh, we have the same th- teams like Metalurg, uh, Mariupol, uh, Kremin, uh, Yirniksport, Poltava, Dinas, which is my second favorite team in Persia next season because they're based in Vizhgorod, the northern north Kiev, so to speak. And uh, they have a promising um, promising uh, lineup with uh, Alexander Holovko as their head coach. And they're hosting a lot of charity events quite often, so it's a good place to visit um, for any football team, I guess, these days um, on the rise. Uh, FC Chernihiv, as always, the athletic Bilbao of uh, Ukrainian football. It's it's a really, really good uh, business model, first of all. And looking at Group A, we have Niva Buzo, which is uh, weird because we are, happen to know Niva Vinnita, which are, we are going to touch on later. And if we look at the table from the previous season, we see that three teams had equal amount of points, who's Chaika and Niva Vinnita, and who's promoted. So that was quite dramatic. And yes, I would assume that Neo Vinica would be joining the rest of the teams next season. But more info on that in a bit. Here in Export, who actually got relegated from Patrick as is the case of Ukrainian football, you can, never can get relegated um, from purely footballing perspective. Uh, they've got their way back. Um, uh, same with uh, FSC Mariupol. They were also relegated in the playoff and they've managed to to slot back in because I think of FC Skoruk pulling out because of the dam um, explosion that Russia caused down in Novogorovka. 
their financiers, Skorok's, um, can no longer afford to run the team because a lot of their business has been affected, albeit prior to the explosion, there was also concerns that they might withdraw as well due to other financial problems. So that is that. And also, of course, FC Lviv, relegated from the UPL, have withdrawn from this uh, campaign because they folded as a senior side and the majority of their players have gone across uh, across the leagues. However, we were meant to be seeing the, uh, I guess, the debut of an FC Oko. Um, at some stage, there were rumours, but they've not ended up actually being uh, involved in that. Uh, so, we'll see. At the end of the day, I feel that that second half, like Ray mentioned, he spoke about Livy Berech. Uh They've got a number of good sides there, Victoria. Uh, they're going to be playing in Tsume at the Uvalani Stadium. Not sure how safe that is, really, with how close it is to uh, the border with, um, you know, with Russia. But we'll have to wait and see. Poltava, of course, always an interesting watch. And in Hulets, too. Um, what has Papa got in store for them, uh, other than 33 million uh, revenue, uh, dramedy? potentially focusing on him. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I think it's uh, going to be an interesting interesting campaign all round. Poltava region on the left bank is just as Khmelnytsky on the right. Three teams in a, one group. That's amazing. Really, a lot of derbies have coming. That's great. It really is good to see. really is good to see. Eh? Is it 20 teams reg- registered to start the Persia season? I mean, it's... It's great to see so many competitive teams spread across the country. And Druga is looking equally competitive, I think, uh, this season. Lots of new teams joining into the ranks. A few second 11s there as well, and one or two classical teams. I know, Ray, this is a league that you're really excited about this year with sort of you know, you're going to have to educate me a bit on this. There's a couple of teams there that are historical but are returning for the first time in a long time. You've you're 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 focused on one in particular. Uh, that's true, Adam. The uh, well, it's it's a tough one actually because we have a like a brother team to Obolon, which is Scala 1911 from from Stree. I mentioned it in a previous part. The oldest apparently. <laughs> the first team in the history of Ukrainian football, based in 1911. Uh, quite fun. Uh, but the real team, which I'll be rooting for in Druhaliha this season, is Lokomotiv Kiev. Uh, the academy, eventually, from uh, the railway station district in the capital of Ukraine. Uh, they have a lovely facility over there, or almost in the in the center of the town, which is quite oh, which is quite close to the old school uh, uh, CSKA stadium which is known to old school fans, but now it's the other side of uh, sort of, I don't know, um, of the tracks, you know, and we have Lokomotiv Kiev coming in. Uh, also, we have Ruch 2 in Druhaliha, Kremlin 2, Metal Ruch 2. Where did that come from? And the um, Chaika from Kiev Oblast, uh, Trostanets, Vast, Druzhba, Zvahel, 
uh, led by Yuri Maximov. All of these clubs I mentioned, I don't I mentioned them for a reason because, as we said before, the Instagram and the social media aspect of these teams is on a really high level. This is the enthusiasm which a lot of teams never get or lose when they climb higher up the ladder. And this is the moment to capture it. You know, if you want to support Ukrainian football, you better follow these teams in Druhaliha table. Pick any one of them. They're all interconnected. They're all like, you know, one big net of uh, football enthusiastic um, communities. So it's a great template to follow for sure. Uh, I would touch on FC Yuxa, but I think uh, Andrew has something to say on that matter. He does, he does. Got to say, though, before we move on, below the top tier, most of the games are accessible on the, on the internet for free. You can find them on YouTube, streamed across. These days on the new PFL website, the access links are there for people who want to watch the games. You can drop in on any of these teams. The kickoff times are there for you to have a look at. And I really do recommend just yeah, click on a game, enjoy it, and start to connect with some of these teams. They're, they're really welcoming. And as we found in the past, they appreciate the support. They appreciate people reaching out to them. And if you do reach out to them, they're more than likely to connect. Now, uh, these are the new teams. I've chosen the one remaining historical team in the Druga. And I think it's going to be their year to escape. I mean, they've been there for a long, since their last reform, in fact. But neither Vinitsa, a team in one of their historical formats, represented Ukraine in European football back in 1996. Well, the coming runners-up in the Ukrainian Cup to Dynamo Kiev, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong there. So I do bow to the rest of your knowledge on this. Over mine, but is it, so, I think sorry, Adam, sorry, F just FCC on knocked them out as well. Am I right, right? That's right. And quickly jump in. Uh, the sponsor uh, in this European tournament in 1996 of, the, of their, on their T-shirts was Obolon. Chris. Now, there is and there is very very uh, funny story about how Niva Vinitsa overcame Shakhtar Donetsk in the semifinals of uh, Ukrainian Cup because uh, hell of a part of a Shakhtar team uh, had a stomachache after visiting Vinitsa and they <laughs> hadn't hadn't a chance to somehow yeah. To, to fight with uh, Neva side, they were struggling with a shortage of players because some, I think, some tricks from from the host team. If if we say that Shakhtar was, yeah, uh, out mentioned, yeah, out like a very very low amount of players were were playing against Neva uh, in the semifinal. Oh, well, truth be told, I think their stadium these days looks exactly the same it was in 1996. So. Fair bit. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Andrew, I couldn't get you inside the stadium the day we were there. But back in 2019, I did. I was fortunate enough to attend a game and interview their Cameroonian manager at the time, Collins, uh, who was a. I hope he's still a big character in the in Vinit's, uh, football, but I know he's no longer managing at the professional level. You know, one Stal of the Chef's legend, Stalolchev's legend. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. uh, I mean, he said to me, and I've, I've read since you, one of the big problems in Vinitsa over the last decade or so, no, there's been no interest in the team. 
and no finances there. And back then they said, you know, most of our squad are young. And these days they've got that, uh, is it Artur Zaloruko, who the former Shakhtar youth, I believe, who's really sort of helped the team progress to that next level. That year back in 2019, they were rock bottom, finished you know, one or two places off the bottom of the pile in the Druha, and they really did look a mess. And then this year, or the season just gone, they were tied for second place with Hust and Chaika, am I right, Ray? But finished fourth on the count back where they, you know, on the playoffs between the two, the, the three teams, they finished bottom of those. So they're looking like they're developing and I'm hoping this year that we see them join. The clubs that have made that step up, the Padillias, Felicia Jitomi were in the same league back then. Neither Tanopol, Veras Rivna that have climbed up from that second tier. They start against Zvigal. I know a lot of the Valin guys went across the metro from the, the media side is their media man over there now. Um, and then they face two of the new teams, Druzhba and Kudrivka. And with those guys, it's hard to tell. I think the Druga this year is going to be, let's talk about it about October time, where everything sort of shook out in the wash and we see which of these teams have hit the ground running. Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who's, who are you going to be rooting for this year down there in the bottom tier? Uh, I will be. Uh, I will support uh, the team that I actually played for when I was young uh, in youth uh, levels. I was playing for Lokomotiv, so I'm I'm all about them. So, yeah, that's that's a great story. And uh, yeah, as as you told, Niva Vinitsa is uh, like the the biggest name uh, among all of those in. Uh, uh, second tier, yeah, I mean, third tier, maybe, yeah, Druga Liga is the third one. So, yeah, I think they will definitely went up, but uh, my heart will be with the locomotive. Andrew, you're sitting on the other side of the Kiev bench, aren't you? Yeah, something like that. I feel that the most exciting team uh, that's coming up, making its professional debut, is uh, FC Uksa, or the Ukrainian christian sports academy um side who have been an academy since 2015 so they've been around for a bit they've got a i think quite a wealthy owner who's got quite a lot of business or made a lot of his money in america uh he's always wearing sort of different uh caps and stuff and just this past week he got uh, a message from a very well-known country singer to do a message uh good luck for the season uh a guy called brad paisley so um <laughs> the guy's got two million followers on uh, instagram so that's that's that and they've got quite a cool team they've got the connections to brazil per se because i think um tete uh his agent has got very close connections with the with the club uh, they've had a number of sort of Brazilians playing there, I think, over the past few years. Obviously, due to the full-scale invasion, I think that was curtailed a bit. But Tete has been in, been there, like, training with them and all that kind of thing. I don't think he's going to feature for them, but he's a friend of the club, should we say. And they've got quite a lot of players that they've brought in uh, that I think a lot of 
people that follow the lower leagues of Ukrainian football uh, would probably recognize quite well. Uh, Makhnev, who was playing for uh, Karpate last season, number of seasons, he's sort of the most senior guy. Uh, they've also signed um, Senor Hub um, from LNZ, who's a veteran himself across all the different leagues. And then they've got a number of youngsters. So they've got Turkan, who comes in from Inhulet, uh, a number of youngsters, Kononov from Dnipro One, I think is quite highly rated on loan. And just in general, it looks like quite an interesting team. And then their manager is uh, Mikola Tsimbal, if anyone remembers him from the uh, Minai days and that infamous match against Shakhtar that was crazily um, involved to match fixing and all that kind of weird stuff. He's back from Cyprus where he was managing uh, a team owned by a Russian YouTuber uh, before he returned to Ukraine, but he's back. Let's see what he can do there. Um, interesting. I think a lot of these teams like we said, we don't know much about them. Uh, someone who does actually know a lot about the more amateur sides is Phil Howden, especially the key of Oblast ones, because he's been watching most of them uh, for the past number of years. Kudryvka, um, in particular, and Druzhba, Merivka. He's expecting big things from them, apparently. So let's see how it goes. Um, an exciting campaign awaits in all three divisions, I am sure. Strap yourselves in and we'll be back in a few weeks' time to talk about that. And I think Ray's actually got something to mention just before we finish. Uh, to finish off uh, on a positive note, I thought until I saw the amateur team list for the next uh, season, uh, both cup and championship, and a few big names uh, coming up. Zyrka Kropovnitsky, uh, created in 1925, Two years uh, older than Dynamo Kiev. Uh, Naftovi Khotirka, the legendary Naftovi Kokronafta from the past. Also, another Kiev team is being, uh, it starts playing in um, uh, amateur league uh, athlete Kiev from very, very far in left bank. A uh, competitors to Liverpool, I suppose. Also, some funny names uh, piling up here, but in the uh, amateur cup. We have a team called FC Volodymyr, which stole a logo from Obol and Kiev, believe it or not. I saw it before someday, and now I found them. And there you go. It goes right through the microphone right now. Guys, check it out on Wikipedia, actually. It's official. So there you go. A bit of heartbreak, but hey, why not? It's a good, it's a good logo. Also, in the uh, Amateur Cup next season, a few teams uh, from Volin actually uh, reappearing. And one of them would be a longtime champion, of Volin Oblast, Lutz Santech Montage 536. Watch this space. I'm out. Thank you for that, Ray. And just, yep, before we go, the Ukrainian Cup starts this weekend with the first preliminary round and quickly followed up by the second one on in the midweek afterwards. So lots of cup action to look forward to over the next two weeks as well, which will whittle down the teams quickly to, to when the UPL boys join in. But and 7 p.m. kickoffs are back as well. Uh, I think last season there was a sort of a limit on trying to make all games be played in daylight hours. I guess 
during the summer they still will be daylight but still um saw that later kickoff will be around for everyone to enjoy and get better than that and you'll find out how it goes in a few weeks time when we come back for our next episode up till then Vadim it's been great to have you back with us hope yeah. it isn't as long next time yeah yeah let's hope the next time will be much closer in uh, time and thanks thanks for having me on your pods uh always a great pleasure i'm glad that that i was with you and uh, let's see what uh, happens what the new season will bring us it's really exciting to say that ukrainian football is alive and uh, yeah spreading even getting better and until that next time everybody take care until that next time everybody take care stay safe and goodbye for now bye bye Oh, oh, oh.